Welcome, everyone. It is episode number 72 of the Fly Guys podcast. Justin Goodhart alongside Cameron Klein in the FGP studios of Cameron Klein's basement slash garage slash kitchen. Cameron, how are you doing on this warm summer day in late August? I'm good. I'm hot. It's hot as shit outside. It is very hot. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. When you went back into your car after work today, how uh, how, how tough was it to get inside the car? Dude, okay, so I, I knew... I, I knew what I was doing. I bought the I bought it in January, and I knew black black exteriors, black interiors. This is not going to be a great decision, but I like the color black, and I was just like, you know, just the magic of black. It's not leather. It's not pleather. It won't burn me. That's that was my thought. Um, of course, now I'm I, I hate myself from then, <laughs> but it sucked, man. Um, it, it's not great, but you know, I, I'm here. Could you imagine though having white upholstery? That's I don't want white because it stains easily. Not only that, it just it looks weird. I've never been a fan of white upholstery. Yeah, yeah. Unless Not, like you're super, super rich. Oh yeah. Like, and then you have like a white convertible. And it's white everything. And it's white upholstery. White leather seats. <laughs> white leather couches. White leather walls. Fuck it. Why not? Everything's to, white. Either that or red velvet. Right. Just covered, draped in velvet. Dude, red velvet mixed with white. Ooh. Like Ooh. I'm talking a white wall. Red velvet curtains. What kind of carpeting? Red velvet. Red velvet. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. I just want to make sure. Just red and white. Nothing but red and white. <laughs> so um, we start this podcast on kind of an interesting day where, you know, up until this point, the Flyers hadn't really been making too much noise. I think the most interesting, th- interesting thing heading into today was Travis Sandheim's mm-hmm. arbitration. That's what I was getting myself ready to talk about. So Sandheim uh, gets a little bit less than I actually thought he was going to. I thought he was going to get, yeah, I thought he was going to get around four. Four million. Um, what do you end up getting? It's like four point six two five. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, they, I'm sorry. It, I bet say I thought he was going to get five million. He got a little bit less than what I thought he was going to uh, get. Apparently, if if it had gone to arbitration, a lot of people are saying that that it would have. Um, they're, they're expecting that uh, it would have went to five million. People, Charlie O'Connor, Jimmy Baskell, some good journalists who know what they're doing. That's what they were fearing, and that's what they feel like the Flyers were feeling fearing as well, and they didn't want to do that. So they end up settling at around $4.65 million, which is, I think is a good deal for Travis Sanheim. He's a good mm-hmm. young defenseman. He will have to get a contract at some point from this team. Yeah. I think the Flyers didn't want to give him the contract because they wanted to see what they're going to be next year. And, and I, th- I think they're fair with that, yeah. given, given his play last season, which, again, if you break it down individually, maybe some things weren't his fault. Uh, maybe there's some things that were out of his control. But given how he played last year, he didn't really progress a whole lot. So they were kind of stuck. Then the news comes down today that the Flyers have signed Derek Broussard, uh, formerly of the Phoenix, or I guess yeah, the uh, Phoenix Coyotes. Arizona of every Coyotes. team, huh? Of every team. Of pretty yeah, pretty yeah. much every team. Like yeah. I looked him up. I was Pittsburgh him up. as well, right? He's yeah. do, like New York you know how Islanders. You go to um, uh, hockey next. I think it's next gen hockey stats. Yes. I'm blanking. Um, or hockey database. I'm gonna go to it right now, but it'll have like the number and like the color jersey. Of like what oh, you're were. talking about hockey reference. Hockey yeah. reference, thank you. Yeah, it was like... Yeah, he's got like it's eight. It's like eight of them, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Most recently with the Arizona Coyotes, who are about to be a homeless team, the New York Islanders yeah. in the year that they went all the way to the Eastern Conference Final. Before that, he was with Colorado, Florida, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, Ottawa, New York. You know, he's I always knew him more as a Ranger than anything else. Yeah, same. Uh, he spent mo- most of his career with the Columbus Blue Jackets in the early parts. The best year he ever had was with the Rangers in 2014 mm-hmm. and 2015 when he had 60 points. We're not really getting 27-year-old no. Derek Broussard. We're getting 33-year-old Derek Broussard now, yeah. who at this point of his career is just kind of like a depth forward. Um, 
you said to me, I like it. I'm worried about the cap. We'll talk about the cap in a quick sec. I gave you my thoughts before we copped on here. Mm-hmm. The Flyers listened to me yeah. specifically. They said, Justin, you're right. You're right. I complained a lot last year about how just they're just not willing to fight. They're not a tough yeah. team. They allow themselves to get pushed around. They bring in Rasmus Ristolainen. They bring in Ryan uh, Ryan Ellis. They bring in or they go out with Shane Gosper. They take out Phil Myers. So I don't even think Phil Myers was a real weakling. I just didn't think he was much of a, a gr- aggressive player. And, and, and as much as you hate him, they did bring in Nate Thompson. They Say did bring will. back Nate Thompson. The who, guy yeah, grinds. He, he, he does grinds. grind. So they're bringing in a guy like Derek Broussard, who at this point is probably settled into his role more as a grinder. Mm-hmm. They want this team to be tougher because I think they believe in the talent. I think they need that talent. needs a little bit of beefy security with them. And I agree. I completely agree. You need to be good at forechecking, dude. And yeah. to win in the NHL, you got to be good at forechecking. They were so bad on the forecheck last year. It was it was crazy how bad they were. Because in 2019-2020, they were so good. Yeah. Yeah, that's what made it particularly glaring, right, when you see them, how good they could have been and then how much they had fallen off. And, yeah, I mean, they didn't have a spine last year. It, it was the thing I think I most yelled about. I, I mean, we both did. Um, obviously, the Buffalo game is the first thing that pops in mind. Sean Couturier – or Sean – Scott Lawton getting flipped over on his head and nothing happening. I mean, that's the prime example that we use. But that's kind of a, a, a symbol of it's what a happened all season. It's what the season was. Yeah. So. And I don't care if it was a clean hit or not. A lot of people said it was a clean hit. Clean hits get— doesn't matter, yeah. Like yeah clean yeah, hits get fine. attacked for anyway. So, right. like, whatever. Yeah. Milan Lucic—there is no clean hit to Milan Lucic. I mean, if we're going to talk about that kind of stuff, he just true. attacks people. So, like, yeah, it doesn't matter. There's plenty of clean hits. But it, get to defend your guy. Yeah. Especially a guy like Scott Lawton. Yeah. Especially a guy— Nolan Patrick fighting. Right. What is Nolan Patrick doing fighting? Yeah. Why is Scott? Why is Sean Couturier being cross-checked in the back and everyone's like, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Right. You're star player at this point. Let's the be honest. The best player yeah. on your team. Yeah. And you're just like, yeah. No, he'll be all right. Anyway, we're going down a rabbit hole. We're going down a rabbit the hole. The point is, though, they yeah. brought in Derek Broussard not to replace Nicholas Albay-Cubell, not to replace Scott Lawton, to give this team a bit of toughness which they need. Now, a lot of you will hear this and they go, well, what are you, just like one of those guys that needs a guy that has like 500 penalty yeah, minutes Yeah, one of those Broad Street Bully bums or whatever. Yeah, I know what you're I talking about. I believe in a hybrid version of the Broad Street Bullies. Yeah. You check Travis Konechny in the boards, you should pay for it. You should have to answer to someone. I expect Rasmus Ristolainen to not just be the biggest piece of shit on the ice, as he likes to call himself as. Yeah. I expect him to get right in the face of someone like an Evgeny Malkin if Mulligan takes a two-by-four and swings it at Travis Sanheim's head. I expect yeah. that. Yeah, and like we're not even saying like we want them to fight. We're not even saying like we want them to go and check somebody from behind because that person hit one of yeah. our guys. We're literally Get asking, in their face. Yeah, and not even that. Not even like fighting. Just, just being a physical presence. Mm-hmm. Hit! Just, Someone right. lay a damn hit. This is hockey. And now they seemingly will. I think they will. Me too. Now, are they a better team? I mean, that remains to be seen. Uh, but as of right now, looking at the roster, I, I see so. a lot more balance on this current team, yes. I see size. Yeah. I see speed, strength, and I still know I have that skill. Joel mm-hmm. Farabee's still here, people. Yeah. James Van Riemsdyk's still here. Claude Giroux's still here. Yeah. Cootsie, still here. At least another year. Yeah. Provorov, you know, say what you will about his last year and how, you know, the, the turnovers that he had and all that, and that's all fair. But now he's got a, a bona fide. First-line defenseman mm-hmm. guy on, on his side with Ryan Ellis. He's going to have a lot more backup. Again, it's just a lot more balance all around the entire team. So, on paper right now, 
they they should be better. If they are not better, this team will be more disappointing than the last team's was. And I kind of can't believe that. Like that that will not make sense to me. That does not make sense to me currently. There's no way that that can happen with the current roster that they have right now. If it does, I I don't know what to do at that point. Well, at that point, I mean, you pull the plug. Just right, sell the team. <laughs> sell hey, them to Arizona's looking for going to be looking for a team. Yeah. <laughs> You wanted to discuss how you were concerned about this hurting the cap situation, which is a fair statement. Uh, I understand. There are about a million and a half, two million over right now. You're concerned about next year because Sean Couturier is due to be a $10 million With Broussard, I'm not concerned about next year because this is only a one-year You're concerned deal. about guys like JVR still being on the team, I think. You're still concerned about all mm. those. What, what, what concerns you the most? Who I'm just worried about about how they're going to wor- work it out. I have no idea. Well, the cap's going to go up $100 million next year. Oh, for next year? We're, still, we're not talking about Broussard. We're talking about next year? We're talking about next year. Oh, next year, yeah, I'm not. I'm Okay, so here's a couple of things. One, we got a contract year for three players already. Sean Couturier, Razzins or Shaline, and Claude Giroux. All three of those guys are going to become uh, unrestricted free agents next year. Now, Sean Couturier... Is their first priority. Is their, To me, in my opinion, is priority number one. Has to be. When you look at this kid, now I understand some people have their haters and their, their mouth breathers, let's be honest, if you think that Sean Couturier is not that good. But if you look at his GAR, right, his goals above replacement, and I'm getting this metric from a Charlie O'Connor article that he released today on The Athletic uh, entitled Sean Couturier's Past, Present, and Future with the Flyers Come to a Head as He Enters a Contract Season. His GAR, his goals above replacement, in five-on-five situations, is fourth in the league. Meaning that he will score more goals than your average player. The only... Let me reframe this. Let me reframe this. <laughs> Dude, I've, I've just been so heavy in this right now. Um, I've been reading The Athletic all damn day. All damn day. Um, but there are only three players in the league that will score more than him compared to the average player in the rest of the league which are Connor McDavid. Pretty good player. It's a great breakdown. And Charlie O'Connor is an unbelievable writer, dude. Yeah, I know. Charlie O'Connor, probably the best writer I've ever read when it comes to covering the Philadelphia Flyers. It's, I mean, if it's it's long reads, so you kind of have to kind of you know get yourself a cup of coffee, yeah, get but ready why, for like, it. Why else are you paying for the subscription right. to the Athletic? Exactly. It's, it's exactly what you want. Um, but yeah, Connor McDavid, Brayden Point, and Mark Stone are the only ones that have scored more. In terms, or only ones that are higher than him in goals above replacement. That is not counting his defensive ability. And if you look at those guys and their contracts, for Coots, we're looking at $10 million a year, possibly. $9 million as a floor, and that's if he's doing us a favor. And the only reason why Sean Couturier would do the Flyers a favor is if they're a cup contender. So if we see another year this year like we did last year, I don't think Sean Couturier is going to stick around. Now, he might because he's loyal to the Flyers, but if he does, he's going to want to get paid even more than 10 to 11 to $12 million a year, which he's arguably earned at this point. Definitely $10 million. He's been the best Philadelphia Flyer now for, what, four years at least? Yeah, three, at least. four years, yeah. yeah. Maybe the last year he was not the best Flyer was when Giroux had his 100-point season. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Sean Couturier is the reason... The Philadelphia Flyers were as good as they were in 2019-2020. Sean Couturier is the main reason why this team wasn't even worse last year. Oh, yeah. In a down year for the entire team, Sean Couturier still excelled. And it was a down year for him. Him, yep. And still, he was the best player on the team, scoring almost a point per game. And it's not like it's not even a debate. Like, oh, who's the best player on the team? Joe Farabee? No. Joe Farabee's a good goal scorer. He can play offense. Can't it's exciting. Do, yeah. Not very good defensively. Sean Couturier can not only play offense, he can do defense, which I used to 
get on him about because he'd do the whole 13 goals a season. Sean Couturier is going to get paid by the Philadelphia Flyers. The reason he's going to get paid yeah. is because if they don't pay him, then that shows us they have no expectation of winning anytime soon. Exactly. And if you look, I mean, you're thinking there aren't other teams that are looking for a player like him right now? Oh, you'd be crazy. 31 other teams? They're all going to – there's a, plenty of them are going to be gunning for him if he the becomes Seattle an Kraken free would agent. build their franchise around a guy like that. Uh, as any, almost any team would. So it's at, that scares me because you want to sign him. Obviously, as a fan favorite, Giroux, you want to keep him around. And he's going to take a pay cut for sure, right? He's not going to be making the same 8, $8.25 million that he has the last couple of years. No, it'll be I, – I, that'll be the – my guess is they get Giroux done first before they go to Couturier. Okay. Okay. The reason why I think that is because they're going to be relying on Giroud to take less money right. to free up the negotiations for Sean Couturier. Yeah. 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 Uh, if that I'm makes sense. if I'm wrong about that and they just go forward and sign Couturier, they might lose both Risto and Giroud. Well, I think what they'll be hoping is that Giroud's already playing ball with them because I think at that right. point they'll be kind of betting on themselves that Giroud is going to be a team player. Yeah. Now, of course, obviously, like I just said, if you sign both him and Coots like we want them to, that pretty much, and let's say they sign Giroud to like a $5 million deal, right? That pretty much leaves you about 2 to $3 million in cap space for Ristolainen, who is currently getting paid about $5 million. So is he going to take a pay cut to stay on a team that he's played with with one year who, let's be honest, the fan base already isn't a big fan of before he's even stepped on the goddamn ice. I'm hoping that maybe he uh, he, he looks at this year as an opportunity to see where he's going to go, and maybe he plays really well. The fans love him. You see big Risto signs. and Yeah, but then he's going to want his contract. That's more than $3 million on average. So now we're looking at moving somebody else. Obviously the first one that comes to mind should be JVR, considering that he is in. he's on the wrong side of 30. Yep. He's not the captain. Yep. And last year was a bounce back year, but let's be honest. The last couple years before that, he's been trending downward. So let's see where he goes. I think the Flyers are going with a huge wait and see. If we completely bottom out and don't play anywhere near our capabilities, they will blow it up. Yeah. Because at this point, this is the most important year in Philadelphia Flyers history since since the year they drafted Eric Lindros. It's... It's it's big. I mean, this will determine honestly the way they it play this year. It will determine a lot, Cameron. Yeah, it will determine essentially the future of the next five to ten years of this team. Um, it'll pretty much say: Are they going to completely nuke it and start a rebuild, or are they going to have a, a, a dynasty for the next couple of years and be cup contenders for the next five years? Because and I, then have to nuke it. I just don't know. the The other issue with the team is that the amount of youth that they have. That's the one thing. It's not plentiful. Not like it was. Players might, like Morgan Frost, could still turn into something, mm-hmm. but we don't know. Yeah. That's the other big unknown about We don't know. Yeah. So. They are the biggest X factor. Honestly, the best case scenario, in my opinion, is one of those young guys really, really steps up. And right Morgan now that- Frost, Wade Allison, somebody really, really steps up so it allows them to possibly move a guy like JVR and have this much younger, cheaper player play just as well and just plug and replace right into his spot. Mm-hmm. And that way they don't have to worry about the cap. They can sign Risto, Giroux, Coots, whoever, and they can continue moving on. And I think that's kind of what they're relying on. And here's the thing. A lot of people will be like, you know, oh, well, they can't rely on that. But teams are supposed to. You're supposed to trust your scouts that told you to draft Wade Allison, 
Joel Farabee, Morgan Frost, Cam York, Zade Wisdom, Felix Sandstrom, mm. Carter Hart, all these guys. Like, someone said, what's who's the most important flyer going into 2021? Carter Hart. If yeah. you you got to have a goalie. You need yeah. it to start off with at least a goalie. Yeah, and that was that was probably the biggest problem last year. That him, the goalie and the defense, they both lend that lend themselves to each other. Oh, it was it problems. was it was the perfect mishmash of just just a horrible horrible letdown season. Yeah, I have a feeling, and I don't know why I have this feeling. Probably because I really love the moves that they made. I like the Risto mm-hmm. move. I like Derek Broussard. I, lo- I. I love Ryan Ellis. I love yeah. Cam Atkinson. Yeah. Oh yeah. I have this belief that they're going to shock a lot of people out there, and they're going to be sneaky elite on the ice. I think that they will score, be able to score three or four goals a game, and I do think that Carter Hart's going to bounce back in such a way that he won't contend for the Vesna, but he's going to get that team into the playoffs, and he's going to get them at least into the second round. Now, the problem is with that, the only issue I just said is that second round. I, I don't think this team can afford to go out in the yeah. second round. Yeah, I think I they need – to show that they are ready to play with the big dogs. Boston, Tampa, Washington, Pittsburgh. New York's right around the corner. Oh, yeah. New York's getting better. Yeah. And you know Pittsburgh's not going away. You don't know if the Devils will be any better this year. I said they're always saying it's a breakout year for the Devils, and that's again, remains to be seen. But it could be. The the, the talent pool the they ever, have there, The ever-elusive breakout year for the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. It's been five years and now. I, and more news for you guys, and this will hurt to hear – but the West isn't getting any worse, in my opinion. Yeah. The oh, no. West it's, is good. It's shifting around a little bit. Chicago, all of a sudden, is uh, they're all on the way back up. Yeah. You you would have thought that they would have been dead and gone for at least five, ten years. Well, it's been about three, and they're all of a sudden now starting to come back up. And if you look like, you know, elsewhere, Toronto's still there. Oh, yeah. Montreal yeah. is definitely there, and they're just building and building and building this confidence. A lot of hinges on the Flyers' future. It's time to be great. It's time to be special. It's time for this team to live up to the crest that is on their sweaters. Be the Philadelphia Flyers. Be a great team. I think what the GM has done to put this roster together doesn't make them the Tampa Bay Lightning, but you don't need to be the Tampa Bay Lightning to win the Stanley Cup Finals. You need to be able to compete with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that's what it's going to come down to. I I think a big X factor in all of this, and in, in, in the roster, and I think it lends to, to, to your belief and to my belief, because I, I believe the same way, and I have to believe that way. I don't know how it's going to go. It might blow up in our face. We don't know. But I have to believe that they're going to be good because I'm a fan, and that's what I want to happen, and I'm there's no point in watching if I don't believe that. The one thing that I think is really lending to that is the added chemistry that this team now has. Mm-hmm. Now, when Kevin Hayes came here first year last year, he claimed that it was the best locker room he had ever been in throughout his entire NHL career. Mm-hmm. The chemistry was there. Now, his good friend Cam Atkinson's there. Keith Yandel's there. Derek Broussard is there. These are all guys who have played with each other since they were young, since they were kids, Cam Atkinson and the Hayes brothers. So I think the chemistry will add itself to the skill and will be able to maximize it totally. Now, another, obviously, the big X factor there, too, is still Carter Hart. He'll be the, he is the X factor. If he is a bust, which I don't think that he is, because given his career, he in every form of hockey that he's played, he has excelled. And there have been moments where he hasn't done great, and he has come back. It's happened. 
I expect that to happen again. And I expect with the new balance on the team that he's going to return to form and he's going to be the same person who brought us through and beat the Montreal Canadiens to get the second round of the playoffs last year. But I don't know. He could be a bust. And if he's a bust, then it's all screwed. And the chemistry, it might not mean, it might not be enough for the whole team in order for them to be successful. So I don't know. But the chemistry is a big thing. And, and that's, that's my personal favorite part about a lot of the acquisitions that they made this year. Uh, I, um, I wanted to also mention, and this is um, not my favorite thing to talk about, uh, Jimmy Hayes passed away. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Hayes' older brother played for the Boston uh, Boston Bruins. Uh, I, at least I, he was from Boston. He did play for the Boston Bruins, he, uh, Florida, Florida, the Devils. He yeah. had recently played, most recently played with the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins in 2018-2019. Um, there has been no cause of death released at this point. I mean, 31, Cameron. He had just had his, I think, their second child, him and his wife. Mm-hmm. It is... It's pretty it's pretty unbelievable. 31 is really young, like scarily young to be dying. And um it's just beyond tragic. It's horrible. And uh I just wanted to make sure that, you know, we touched up on this because you know, we talk about Kevin Hayes, well, right now Kevin Hayes is going through something that uh, I dread, like the idea of going mm-hmm. through. I have two older brothers, so I I couldn't imagine losing one of my older brothers. Um, yeah, especially so suddenly. Yeah. Uh, he he did put an Instagram post just as a. It, it's it's a long post. It's definitely worth a read. Um, it'll most likely bring tears to your eyes. Uh, but it's just a a tribute to his brother. Brutal to just to see that news, because at first at first I didn't even I didn't even comprehend what I had just read. Because uh, I, I read something on Twitter going, the Jimmy Hayes news is tragic. And at the time, I was like... Yeah, I, I received a text saying, have you heard about Jimmy Hayes? And, and I and yeah. I completely whiffed on what they... Because like, I was working, and I was like, I don't, I don't know what that means. Uh, and then I realized when I got the alert, and I was... It was just horrible. Right now, I, I, I genuinely could not imagine what, um, what Kevin's going through. I certainly couldn't imagine what that whole family is going through. So, uh, nothing but the most sincere of condolences from me and I'm sure from Cameron uh, to the Hayes family. And uh, it's, it sucks. It sucks. And there's no other way to put it. It is a tragic death. A couple children that aren't going to really get to know their father. And I'm sure a wife that is just lost right now. It's way too young. Um, uh, Recently. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a lot. You know, obviously the last year has been tough for everybody. Um, 2020 and even 2021 has been has not been 2021 has not been much easier. No. And for this just to to be added to any family on top of everything that's been going on in the last two years is is terrible. Um, it's just and it's just it's just a lot. I mean, I I, I don't know if you if you follow as much, but a, a personal one for me, um, Trevor Moore of the Whitest Kids You Know, an old sketch group, he passed away too. Oh, I didn't know that. At, at he was 41. Ugh. And that was that was about a month ago, and it's just to hear forty one and thirty one. It's just well, what's crazier is that you know you and I are twenty five. Yeah. So we were six years. I mean, we're only a few years younger than Kevin Hayes to begin with. Thirty one's just so young, and it's just so tragic. I, I just hate. I I hate it for anyone to have to go through that, and uh, it's certainly, you know, Kevin's a 
charismatic guy. He's such a fun-loving guy. So you hurt you hurt to see that from a guy like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, moving uh, moving on, uh, I also wanted to touch up on the Arizona Coyotes having lost their home. Yes, a lighter subject. A l- yes. Kind kind of. I mean, entire state's about to lose their hockey team. Yeah. Thankfully, it's a state that no yeah. one cares about. I was going to say, it's, they don't have the biggest hockey fan base. I mean, I, uh, but the thing is... So, is that should, th- should Hartford get the Whalers back? Should we go back to Connecticut? I mean, sure, I don't care. But, like, I, I, I the thing is, is that they, they don't have a big fan base. But the people that are Coyote fans, they are very loyal. Very passionate, too. So, it, it does be, suck you, for them, dude. You got to be loyal and passionate to a team like that. Like, we are blessed to be in a, in a, in a, in a city that is a top-five market. So... We're blessed to know that mo- for the most part, our teams, wish our teams, fucking spend like it. Yeah, right. They don't. Um, but we would wish that you know we we're lucky that our teams are are most likely never going to leave Philadelphia, so we never have to worry about it. Um, but yeah, it sucks, dude. They're losing their fan base. I, I felt the same way for the Rams when they left LA the first time. I mean, I wasn't alive, but I can imagine that's what it's like. And even St. Louis when the Rams went back, the Oakland losing the Raiders. That's ridiculous. How about Baltimore losing the Colts all those years right. ago? So it just it sucks, man. It, it sucks for those fans in, in Arizona. But it is interesting, though. It does shake things up. Do the Nordiques come back? Do the Whalers come back? Quebec Nordiques. I haven't even thought about that. Quebec has been... When I'm, I can't. I'm surprised that city didn't riot when Seattle uh, announced that they were going to get a, a hockey team. Oh, yeah? Like- <laughs> just, Are you shitting me? Uh, well, I don't think Hartford uh. should get their team back. Hartford was not a great area... For a hockey, it was a sick a, jersey, though. It was a very good jersey. It was a sick jersey, nice logo. How about this? I'll give them that. Atlanta, the Atlanta Thrashers. Are you going to bring them back? Let's bring back the Atlanta Thrashers, baby. Flyers I'm did cool well against it. the Thrashers. When, okay, I'm going to ask you this: when you when you because I saw this with another random uh, like logo, but when you see the Atlanta Thrashers logo, who's the first player that pops in your head? If the answer isn't Ilya Kovalchuk or or the goalie, oh my god, what was his name? Crap, what was his name? Um. Oh my God, he was such a bad goalie whenever he played against the Flyers. But anytime else, he was like, "Oh, this guy is a solid goalie." <laughs> what was? Oh, don't tell me. I'm I'm gonna. Oh my God. Oh my God. I, don't know. I think of two, and you Kovalchuk was one of them. But but this goalie is not the other one. Who who do you think of? Evander Kane. Well, you think of him probably because he punched the lights out of Matt. Uh, I've watched that clip. I watch it yearly, at least at least once a year. I like to watch Evander Kane knock out Matt Cook. It's, it's unbelievable. And, it, you know, Evander Kane's not the nicest guy, apparently, from all the things I've read. But, um, you know, on that night, on that night, he was hockey's gladiator that night. Kerry Lettinen! Kerry Lettinen, yeah! Kerry freaking Lettinen! Yes. Went to Dallas, had a pretty solid career in Dallas. Yeah, he did. He he was honestly not that bad of a goalie with the Atlanta Thrashers. He just yeah. sucked against the Flyers. He just wasn't, yeah, he wasn't super consistent. <laughs> kind of like Andre Pavlik. Remember, pa- yeah. Pavlik, you know, was kind of the starting goalie up in Winnipeg until they got, you know, that 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 other guy, that other guy that happened to win a freaking Vesna yeah. eventually. Yeah. Um, you know who else they had? Uh, you'll 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 love some of these names, honestly. I think um, they had Zach Bogosian on those teams. That's the, right. That's that's Thrashers. right. Yep, they had uh, obviously that Ilya Kovalchuk. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I mean, I think everybody. Eric Christensen was on the Atlanta Thrashers at one point, mm-hmm. and um, the last team that ever played for the Atlanta Thrashers, which is one of my favorite things, that was the 
2010-2011 team, right? Yeah. Who was on that team? So they had Freddie Meyer, who had been a Philadelphia Flyer before. Right. Johnny Oduya, Zach Bogosian, <laughs> Brent Sopel was on that team. Mm. I can't believe that one, actually. And then as they had Andrew Ladd yep. on that team. Yeah. Um, Frederick Modine, Ben Eager. Oh, wow. And one of my favorite ones, a young lad by the name of Blake Wheeler on the Atlanta Thrashers right. in 2010-2011. <laughs> and Evander Kane was still on that team as well yep. back at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. That was uh that was a weird team. That was a weird weird team. The whole franchise just it never it never felt like it clicked. Like it didn't feel no. like it belonged in Atlanta. No, it didn't. Um it, yeah, it didn't, which is just makes me curious that you said that Atlanta should be the <laughs> team because that it goes back to. I missed the logo. <laughs> I missed the living spinning cyclone with the little face and the hockey stick in it. It was it was a nice logo. I'll give it I'll give them that. Plus I just liked beating them. They were so bad against the yeah, Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, it it was great in it was a, a free form. two points yeah the fact that they had a team but the thing is that in in your argument to put it back in atlanta you know the florida panthers have been like that for pretty much ever um so like yeah you could probably pull it off i guess flyers all-time record against the atlanta thrashers ready for this 30 11 and 3 that's nice that's mm, mm. yeah the last game they ever played the thrashers beat the flyers one to nothing on march 11th yeah oh. Interestingly enough, the biggest win of all time, Anterio Nidamaki with a 7 nothing shutout win over the Atlanta Thrashers. Jesus. Marty Biron with a shutout over the Atlanta <laughs> Thrashers at one point. Jeff Hackett with a shutout over the Atlanta Thrashers. And the Flyers have scored three penalty shot goals against the Atlanta Thrashers. Those players being Mike Richards in 2008, because it was, of course, it was Mike. Yeah, Richards. he did that a lot. He scored in the penalty kill a lot. That was his thing. R.J. Umberger, the from the first stint, from the first, from the stint. first flyer stint, from the first flyer stint, wow. back when he was good. Yeah, and then Simone <laughs> Gagne. Okay, yeah, that makes sense too. Now, I'm surprised he was on the penalty kill. Now though. Simone Gagne was well. This is penalty shot, not a penalty. penalty oh, score. penalty shot. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. Simone Gagne actually. R.J. Umberger got a penalty shot. That's. It's bananas. pretty wild that R.J. Umberger would ever get a penalty shot. It's bananas. The R.J. Umberger, I remember, wouldn't even be able to like make it to the net in time. That's how slow he was. Oh my god, that's actually really true. Like, like, dude, it, yeah. Oh, that was his first penalty shot. Simone Gagne, first penalty shot in the National Hockey League, by my recollection, and in on goal he goes. A chance to put him on top. He went backhand, and the Flyers lead five to four. So wow, look at those jerseys. The, I, I I always loved those jerseys. I did not. I did I not was a need. Big fan of them. I did not need the gray middle part in between the black and the white of the letters. So simple. When you watch hockey back in the day, the the moves were so simple. Oh yeah, and like Simone he just Gagne, went backhand. That's all he did. Like he someone, just went forehand backhand. I think there was a poll that someone said if there was one guy in his prime you could take and put on the Philadelphia Flyers, who would it be? And a lot of people said Danny Briere, which I thought was a great answer. Yeah. But Simone Gagne, I think, should be another one that you. So, oh yeah. W- such an underrated player, looking back in Flyers I mean, history. The last forty goal scorer that they had. <laughs> he was the last forty goal scorer. Was That's, he really? Yeah, yeah. Who has scored forty goals since him? I thought Mike Richards did it, but clearly not. Oh, maybe he did. Maybe he did. I don't know, dude. A prime Mike Richards, which makes <laughs> his which makes his stats all the more frustrating because he was so good. Uh, nope, thirty goals, forty one assists. That's not what they mean with the Flyers. Um, <laughs> best year he had with the Flyers, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. He went thirty and fifty. 
Like, Richards was not a guy. People forget that Richards wasn't a guy that put up 100 points a season. He was a guy no. that beat the shit out of you. And scored 70. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> scored 70 points in the yeah. season, yeah. He'd clip you on the head. He was he was dirty. Don't get me wrong. He was absolutely a dirty player. That And, and that's why he fit in Philadelphia. He was a fit. Like, he, his career never really was. Like, he did win a cup, obviously, with the Kings a couple of times, mind you. Yeah. But... Always, he just—he felt like a Philadelphia Flyer. He—it always felt like he should be a Philadelphia Flyer. Now, the season that you're referencing for Simone Gagne, he was the last Flyer to score uh, 40 goals. He did it two years in a row. In 2005-2006, he had 47 goals and 32 assists, and then the next year, Damn. he had 41 goals and 27 I'm say assists. 41. That's that was the last one. I remember um, that. That would be the Peter Forsberg effect, right? He, him yeah. and Peter Forsberg went so well together. Imagine, but imagine, and now we're just getting off completely off the rails. But imagine prime Claude Giroux, prime Simone Gagne. I mean, we're talking about a 200-point th- season. I don't think Giroux would ever score a goal again. I think he would just have 100 no. assists yeah. a year. I'm cool with that. <laughs> Um, Put a Wayne Simmons on the line just to fuck shit up every once in a while. Absolutely. That'd be perfect. You know what was even crazier about <laughs> Simone Gagne was uh, his last year as a – a lot of people forget his last year as a Philadelphia Flyer. He went out – he left the Flyers at only 29 years old, and he played for five more seasons. Once with the Philadelphia Flyers again mm-hmm. in 2012-2013. I'll, I'll never forget his return. I was so excited. And his first game back, he scores a goal. Against the uh, was it the Washington Capitals, I believe. Yeah, and his, it was his first goal that season. He had not scored with the LA Kings that season. The only thing that I always he thought... He came back and dropped like 15 points in the last Should the Flyers years. have not given away Simone Gagne's number? <sighs> I never felt right about Michael Roffel wearing number 12. Me neither. Me neither. But at the same time, I feel like someone has to... You got to do something really, 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 really special in order to get your number retired. But the next year... Yeah, I know, but you can't control that. I, th- I the guy chooses twelve. He, he, yeah, yeah, but you know, Ed Snyder was a guy of loyalty and respect. He could have stepped in and be like, you know what? Not now. Maybe, maybe too one soon. Day. Yeah, like listen, too soon. You know, you know who is? I'm wearing a beautiful Philadelphia Eagles T-shirt with the Kelly Green and the white logo. This yeah. is one of their classic looks. Oh yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. A player that played for this team who has not had his jersey retired. But his number has never been worn again by the Philadelphia by any Philadelphia Eagles player. Can you mm. guess which player I'm referring? My first to? thought is Reggie White. Reggie White has his number retired. Okay. Randall Cunningham never had his number retired, but no uh. Philadelphia Eagle has ever worn 12 since. His number is unofficially retired. Right. Which just make it official and just, just say, retire yeah. the number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, you don't want anyone else wearing it. Right. Another good example. Uh, Who's gonna wear twenty eight again after Claude is done? Oh, I could see him him his number being retired. Though. Probably should be. Yeah, because he's a top, in my opinion, top three, top five flyer. Uh, it's it's to me it's really hard. Like I understand a lot of the old heads because they won the Stanley Cup. Like Bobby Clark, that's no question. I mean, he was the best flyer ever, and he won you know Stanley Cup and all that. Snip, snap, snoop, absolutely. Yeah, right. I mean, Bill Barber, you know, Bob Kelly, these guys, like you know, all these guys. Ron Hextall. Ron Hextall. Well, yeah, that's true. But again, Ron Hextall is a very, very special. But thing like you're it. telling me, Ron Hextall won the Conn Smythe on the losing team in the playoffs. That doesn't happen very often. You got to be pretty damn good. <laughs> so yeah, I'll, I'll you take know, that. But this wasn't retired either. I believe there was Max Talbot wore 27. I believe that is true. I, but Max Talbot deserved it because he 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 was awesome. He, he was great as a number 27. Yeah, he was. I was he? Yeah, I was upset about losing. Do you know the only the only player to ever win a Super Bowl MVP and lose the game? Mm-mm. 
Chuck Howley is the only Super Bowl MVP from a losing team on the Cowboys' side in a mutually ugly 16-13 to loss to the Baltimore Colts. If he wasn't wearing that stupid-ass blue star, you think he would have got that? Probably not. No. Especially in the 1970s. Have you watched Hard Knocks yet? Have you watched it? It's a circle jerk. It's all about Dallas. And don't be wrong, I understand it's based in Dallas, but you don't need to like go into this thing about how awesome Dallas is and the amazing history of Dallas and how, how great Dallas is. Dallas has not done shit in 20 years. I don't care how much money they make for the lead. 30 years. I don't care. I don't want to see about how oh, Dallas used to be amazing 30 years ago. Show me Dak getting pissed off. Show me Zeke getting pissed off. It's a good TV show, though. It is, but that's why I'm upset. I look forward to it every year. I'm not talking about hard all it is. Oh. Talking about Dallas, the, sh- the show, Dallas. Never seen it. It's actually a good show. It's got a great theme I'm song. not watching Hard Knocks out of principle. I don't care to look at the face of Jerry Jones, Dak Prescott, and Ezekiel Elliott. Dude, in the first episode, there is a literal five-minute scene of him having like a, a phone meeting, eating an Egg McMuffin and drinking coffee. And it's like, I don't need to see... Jerry? A, yeah, a geriatric Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones eats an Egg McMuffin. That's interesting. Yeah, and, and like here's the thing. I don't I don't care to eat see anybody eat. Especially I really an Egg McMuffin. I really don't care about old people eating. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. That you know, this is does why I don't work Jerry in a nursing Jones, home. Jerry Jones, do you think because he's oh. so old, does he dink his donuts in coffee? I think he. Well, here's the thing. The problem is he, you can't compare him to normal old people because he's rich, like super rich. But he certainly would have to enjoy the fine, like you know, the little things in life that we all enjoy. I was thinking more like he would have to do it because his teeth wouldn't be able to handle a whole donut. <laughs> So I was thinking, like, he has to make it soft, like how certain, you know, like, let me chew your food for you kind of thing. Um, but then my next thought was, like, well, he's rich, so he probably can afford dental work until he's, like, 150 because he's just going to pay for it. Um, but, no, I, I don't know. Maybe he does. He was eating an Egg McMuffin. And I don't know if it was an Egg McMuffin. It just looked like that. But still, it was like, dude, I don't need to see him unwrap a sandwich for two minutes. What is this? Okay. Sorry. Off the rails. Off the rails. Well, talking about going off the rails, how about the <laughs> fact that the Pittsburgh Penguins snapped back at our Twitter because uh, that was cool. That was I was actually kind of happy about that. I can't believe you nailed that. You nailed that. Well, dude, here's the thing. Like, I wanted to say something back. When but I, th- they, like, I think what they said with the whole just saying, I think that was, was perfect. It was, and the thing is too is like my philosophy is Batman beats everybody, so I wasn't gonna go back on that. That's why I went with the whole Delaware River over Allegheny River. Yeah, that's smart. Change, change the fight. Change the location. We're, we're not going to argue Batman versus Aquaman here. Off anybody versus anybody, really, because he's going to win. He's He'll the, figure he's it out. He's the greatest superhero of all time. Yeah, like yeah, like oh, how did he beat Aquaman? He goes to a mountain. He says, "Bring your fight here, bitch." That's what he does. It's simple. Aquaman's simple for Batman. The other one's Superman. Come on, are you kidding me? Batman's smarter than Superman. He's done it a thousand times. Yeah. Everyone kind of agrees that Batman beats Superman. It's it's not even. It's not I even actually got debate. into quite a fight with my father one time about who how would Batman beat Superman. I'm like, what you do you mean? To, you have to think. Batman doesn't kill people, but he damn well knows how to get Kryptonite into a you know a projectile weapon where he can fire it at Superman and incapacitate. This is common knowledge, folks. This is it's simple. It's re- it really is really simple how now, Batman th- beats Superman. It's the easiest way. But Superman's too naive to take Batman seriously, and Batman's going to do his homework and kick his ass. Now. Let's be fair. A lot of people will hear this and they think, you think Batman's better than like Iron Man or any of the Marvel characters? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even close. Yeah. He beat him. It's it's so funny how you think Iron Man could beat Batman in a fight. That's hilarious to me. Yeah. Have you not heard of an EMP? <laughs> it's that simple, man. 
For Iron Man, it's that simple. Bring on Thor. Okay, now we have a little bit more of a debate. Now we have. But I think we're right back to the Superman thing. Yeah, no, Kryptonite doesn't take out Thor. I understand that, but like, what are you telling me that Batman can't figure out a way? He could figure out a way, but I just don't know what it would be because I'm not fucking Batman. But oh no, Loki's too smart. No, he's got too much of an ego. Batman be able to uh, he'd be able to (laughs) take that care of that. No problem. I think his problem would be Spider Man. Spider-Man might be t- so, what, so where are we at with Captain America versus Batman? I think that's like the ultimate. That would be the coolest fight of them all, though. It will be pretty cool. Because it's a battle of total like wills. It's a test of wills. It, like, for argument's sake, you know, I could, I, could, I could entertain this idea. But in, in terms of their personalities, I don't think Captain America would fight Batman. Because I think Captain America would see Batman's viewpoint. And he, he would actually would. like, Act- they, like jo- they would join together. Yeah, like how how Captain America split away for the Winter Soldier and all that. He would he would do that for Batman. Mm-hmm. He would be able to see like, oh, this guy's trying to do what's right against what everybody else is doing, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna follow him. I'm gonna I'm gonna do what he's doing. I'm gonna team up with this guy. But at the same time, in sake of art, for sake of argument, I mean, he'd have to get rid of the shield. Well, yeah, he's but so he'd have to eliminate Captain America's shield. I don't think that would be too difficult <laughs> for Batman. Like Batman's he'd, he'd like, find listen, a way. I have pulled. A hundred victims out of the same room the Joker is standing in with a gun. Getting a shield off someone ain't that tough. Yeah, I think you could, you know, just get like a, you know, a magnet. Um, a big wh- magnet. Did, did you? <laughs> just a big giant. Yeah, just and just it take out. it, and then it's a fight. Now, were you more of a DC guy or a Marvel guy growing up? Um, I was definitely more of a DC guy, clearly, yeah. uh, given my arguments here. Um, so Doomsday versus the Hulk. Where where did you? Where would you stand on that? I, dude, I honestly, I, I don't really, I really don't care that much for the Hulk. I think he's one of the I, simplest characters. I honestly to beat. really loved the Hulk's character up until Infinity War and Endgame. They you didn't really, like how they, he became smart and shit and self-aware. Totally destroyed the character for me. I, the I, Hulk that's fair. I guess that. supposed to be rage, right. no thinking, just smash, smash, smash. Right. They did it perfectly in the first Avengers movie. They did it pretty darn well in the second Avengers movie. They started to change his character a bit in Thor Ragnarok. Which, but I was fine with. I was like, you know, okay, it still works. A little bit of variation is totally fine. This time, a coward. The Hulk's a coward. He's afraid to come out and face Thanos. The rage, the the impotent rage, impotent rage, (laughs) impotent rage-filled maniac is afraid. Stop. You've lost me. You've lost me with the character. That's fair. I understand. Like they were going for character development, so I I appreciate that. How did Vision become a bitch? Oh my God! You you've seen Endgame or Endgame, right? Yeah, or... but he had his his skull ripped open. The guy tried. I mean, Jesus. Vision came in as a, I don't think he really. He came in as a freaking badass, <laughs> and then he go. He came in like he's like March. He came in like a lion. He went out like a lamb. Yeah, but I don't think he gave it to him. Really, I, he kind of did. He just got caught by him. Thanos is just better. That's all. Run faster. Uh, Thanos will catch him. Come on, dude. You have you have the last stone. The entire, like, half of the universe's population is depending on you not to fuck up. You fuck up. Yeah, but that wasn't just him, too. That was all, that was a team effort. Oh, no, yeah, no, they, they blew a 5-1 to one lead. Yeah. I'm not saying that they didn't. You know who wouldn't? The Golden State Warriors? No, Batman. no, they would. Batman wouldn't. No, let me tell you something. Batman would have thought this through. Oh, yeah, Bat- those stones wouldn't be going nowhere if they were in Batman's there control. Is, I give it a negative percent chance that Thanos is even able to even locate where the Batcave is. Right. Because when you ask, where's the Batcave, you know what Batman's going to say? Which fucking one? Right. <laughs> you think I just have one? I'm right. a, I, I have like $80 billion in my bank account. Oh, yeah, I only have one bad case. Yeah. Another thing, too, like, yeah, like you said, Batman doesn't kill people, but also Bradman's willing to do what's what's needed to be done. Um, Batman would have just destroyed those stones himself. He would have cut his hand right off. <laughs> he would have brought a sawzall 
and 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 you know little old what's his name uh uh Chris Pratt wouldn't have been able to screw anything up because his hand would have been cut off yeah. anyway. So, you know, what are you gonna do? So I hope you enjoyed this uh, wonderful telling of how uh, comics would work. That guys- went off the rails and all over the place emotionally, but uh, it did. But I think it's a great place to stop. Uh, that is it for the Fly Guys podcast, episode number 72. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. A new Twitter. Cameron, yes. why don't you, you know what? You're the one that set it up. You talk about it, buddy. I mean, it's a Twitter page, and it's at, called at Fly Guys Podcast. Very simple. Give us a follow. Give us a follow. Don't uh, worry we're going to fo- be tweeting. And you can follow Cameron on Twitter as well, at CameronKline15, at myself, at Just But you know yeah. what? Follow at Fly Guys Podcast. That's where we're going to be posting the episodes and everything. We are doing our diligence to try and make this as good of a – uh, uh, as good of a podcast as possible. We want We've to already started right. talking shit to the Penguins. Already done it. Which is like really one of the important things you can do as a as a fan, as a Flyers fan, but also if you're going to be a Flyers, I almost said Fly Guys, a Flyers podcaster. Yeah. You got to talk shit. And, and as far uh, as yeah. and as far as Pittsburgh goes, have, you, you have so. Batman, that's true. I'm just saying. Well, you have the Michael Keaton Batman. So you don't even have Christian Bale. Yeah. Like, that was the best Batman. Michael Keaton was great. Don't get me wrong. Dark Knight movies are the best. Yeah. And who, was the, who did the voice of the animated series? Uh, what's his name? Oh, and he did, oh, the video, he did the video games, too. And he was amazing. He he yeah. has the best Batman voice of all time. There was only one Batman game that he didn't do it for. They gave, they get, uh, he did the voice of Commissioner Gordon in Arkham Origins. They yeah. gave the voice to someone else for Arkham Origins. For yeah. Batman. Kevin Conroy. Ke- oh. We're talking about Batman here. Might, I need to buy an Xbox 360 controller just so that way I can play my Arkham Asylum games. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that being said, uh, thank you so much for listening. Be happy, be healthy, get your vaccinations, wear your masks again. You blew it. And as always, let's go Flyers. <laughs>